The scripture reading for today is from Luke 2, 1 through 7. Please remain standing as you are able for the reading of God's word. The text for this evening is Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, and it will be on the screen as I read. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census shall be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. This is God's word. Please be seated. Good evening, church. If you're visiting uh, this evening, my name is Brian. I'm the other pastor here at Trinity City Church. And before I reflect on that reading of the Christmas story, let's go ahead and pray. This opening prayer for the message will be based on Isaiah chapter 9. Let's pray. Lord, we as a people are walking in darkness, but we have seen a great light. On those who are living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have grown your people and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice after a great victory. God, you have provided stunning and surprising victories before. Please do so again. The abuse of oppressors and cruelty of tyrants, all their burdens and yokes and rods are gone, done away with. Now gather together all the garments of war and toss them away into the fire. Why, Lord? Because to us a child is born. To us your son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forevermore. Your zeal, Lord Almighty, will accomplish this. And turn us now to your promised word, fulfilled as we remember the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. As that scripture reading said, there were some governmental rulers that wanted to do a census. There's this powerful nation that was ruling over the area where God's people were dwelling. And these uh, Roman officials of, of the powerful nation called Rome wanted to count all of their people because they needed to collect some taxes. More people meant more money. Now, part of the census process in those days included people going back to their hometown, not the place that they maybe went to for education or the place they went to to advance their career or the town that they went to where they met their fiancé and their wife. This was the hometown that they had to go back into, the place where they grew up. The census wasn't a choice. It was something that everybody was now required to do to plan maybe an unexpected trip that they hadn't budgeted for uh, because many people didn't live in their hometown 
Um, and Joseph was one of them. He's living in a town called Nazareth, but his hometown is Bethlehem. And Bethlehem, in the scriptures, is called the city of David. And if you're not familiar with who he is, he's a great king from the Old Testament, and he was from Bethlehem too. Joseph is not only from the same town as King David, but also from the same family tree as David. And Joseph, this humble carpenter, is a descendant, therefore, of a great king. The Gospel of Matthew draws attention to the promises from God concerning Bethlehem, highlighting the Old Testament prophet Micah, Matthew 2, 6 says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now it has been centuries since God made uh, a promise about another king coming from humble Bethlehem. And this was a significant promise. This is not the type of town that you would expect a king to come from, much less a king that was going to reign over an everlasting kingdom. This would be uh, the equivalent of you maybe you expect big things out of Minneapolis, but maybe not my hometown, which is Albert Lee, Minnesota. That's where I would have to go back for a census if the same rules applied. It'd be like something big was going to happen in a small town like that, that maybe some of you have never even heard of Albert Lee, and maybe some people back then never even thought much of Bethlehem. But it was from here that the Messiah, the Christ, would be uh, born and would come, this person who is specially chosen by God to care for his people. So Joseph went on a 90-mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem with his soon-to-be wife, Mary. This pregnancy, uh, nine months ago, challenged their engagement. An angel of the Lord visited Mary to tell her she would bear a son and name him Jesus. And this raised all kinds of questions for her because she is a virgin. The angel explained that this would be a work of the Holy Spirit according to God's word and according to his promises. And his promises and his words never fail. And she accepted God's word and the calling of God on her life. When Joseph, her fiancé, heard the news of Mary's pregnancy, he would react like anybody would reasonably react. He wasn't thinking immediately, ah, a miracle, a virgin birth. Something like this had never happened before. He reacted like any normal person would have in that situation. He decided, I know what led to this. It's not a virgin birth. It's not a work of God. I'm going to divorce her, but to do it quietly and honorably because he cared for her and he was an honorable man. Because his only conclusion was, she must have cheated on me. But then an angel of the Lord appeared to him as well. And according to Matthew 1, 20 through 21, the angel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph stayed faithful to both his wife and God's promise and calling on his life as well. And so now they're on their way back to Joseph's hometown, a 90-mile journey on a donkey while Mary is in her third trimester. To say that she is a strong woman is an understatement of this amazing woman of God. Luke 2, 6-7 then says, While they were there, they came, that's Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. 
and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The couple most likely spent some time in Bethlehem before the baby was born. There's some more cinematic depictions of what was happening with the, you know, the baby almost coming out and if they rushed to an inn that there was no room and there's really some dramatic uh, ways of telling this story in the modern world. But most likely they went there, spent some time in Bethlehem and the location, according to biblical scholars, probably wasn't an inn that didn't have room but rather a house or a guest room, most likely in uh, family members that Joseph belonged to. So they're probably staying with some relatives, and there would probably be no room in the main area where people would sleep, and so they had to uh, sleep in the first floor, the lower level of a home, uh, because people would sleep on the, the raised level, and they were sleeping there, and it was sometimes, depending on the house, was a place that could shelter animals in this general living space. And there in that space also was a manger, which is like an empty stone, a feeding trough for animals. And that is the place where Mary and Joseph delivered their baby. Not a great place to give birth. This is not a posh birthing center that you might find around the Twin Cities. There is no midwife here to help out. There's no epidurals to help out. Most likely, there is also, think about this, some very salty in-laws because Joseph and Mary also had to explain the situation of Mary's pregnancy in that I mean, I think you have some tense conversations around the holidays. Imagine what it would have been like in those days for them. And this was the situation that Mary uh, brought this Messiah into this world. This part of the story was most likely not a silent night with the pains of childbirth bringing forth the promised son. And once born, she places the son Jesus into a manger, an important detail that keeps being repeated in this story. Meanwhile, in the same region as Bethlehem, there's a routine night shift for a group of shepherds. You need to imagine what is about to happen to them from their perspective. They have no idea that these private meetings with angels, with this couple, had been occurring. They have no point of reference for this. We do because we read the story, but the shepherds, they have no idea. And from their perspective, it has been centuries since God has done anything miraculous among his people or has even spoken a word through his prophets. Centuries since anything like that has happened. They, this evening, would not have expected anything significant to happen. It's an ordinary evening and an ordinary shift. It'd be like you going outside to get some fresh air during a work break. Or I know there's some kids that are in the service this evening. Imagine this. It's just an ordinary day at class that you're just not expecting anything to happen. Or you're going out with your family for an evening walk with your dog, and it's just a normal activity. And you may have heard stories of God showing up in significant ways of history, but you would never expect on this boring evening that something would take place. This evening is just normal business. And then Luke 2.9 says of these shepherds, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Mary and Joseph also didn't feel great in those other stories when the angels showed up to them. They felt very uncomfortable. And here the shepherds are also terrified because this great warrior of light showed up. And why were they terrified? I mean, you could list the reasons 
why somebody would be terrified if an angel was in the room with you. An angel is described in terrifying ways in the scriptures. This is a heavenly being who is powerful as well as beautiful. An angel can see right through you and has the power to both work miracles and bring the judgment of God into the world. I don't know what those shepherds were doing. Could you imagine if, like, right before this angel showed up, you're, like, yelling at the sheep and having a bad day at work, and all of a sudden this angel shows up, and you just don't know what to say. You've never expected anything like this to happen. This angel is there, and he could be delivering God's judgment or good news. At this point, they have never seen an angel, and they have no idea why this angel is there. And then verse 10 says, this is the message from the angel, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The angel tells them that they have nothing to fear. Why? Because of good news of great joy. I love how the angel tells them how the good news is going to make them feel and respond. Good news is the word for gospel. That's what gospel means. And good news had like a very generic meaning back in those days. It would be like you, maybe a scenario where you had a family member yourself, you went to Chicago, you proposed to your significant other, he or she said yes, and now you're bringing that news back to Minneapolis-St. Paul to tell all your friends, it's good news. This engagement's happening. Uh, she said yes. It's exciting news to share. That's what gospel is. It's good news, but this is the best news that the world has ever heard. This is great news of, good, of great joy for all people because in the promised city of King David, a Savior who is Messiah, the Christ, that's a word that means that he's specially anointed, set apart for God's purposes, that this is the Lord of all. This baby boy who is born this day in the, is the promised king who is going to sit on David's promised throne forever over an everlasting kingdom. This is the king. This is the Lord. This is the divine and sovereign king of kings who will save his people from all of their enemies. And this is Jesus Christ. And he says, you will know who the king is because you're going to go to Bethlehem and there is a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. But before they head out, the shepherds, and before the shepherds even respond, look what happens in verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is a moment that the shepherds see more than one angel, but the curtain of heaven is tore back, and they see not only maybe an army of angels, but a choir of angels all singing to God and giving him glory because of this good news of great joy. It's hard to imagine how amazing this song would have been. You just read it on a text, but you have to maybe take yourself to a place of what your favorite song is, what gives you all the feels, what would be the best concert you could imagine that you could ever be at, and you're there, 
but this thing just eclipses the joy of that moment. This would be the greatest song and greatest concert you would have ever witnessed in your life. This would do way more than sell out U.S. Bank Stadium for multiple nights. This would be the type of song and type of concert that if the world could hear it right now, we would flood the streets and never want the music to end. That's what these shepherds got to hear with this heavenly choir of angels. And so the shepherds respond. They say, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this good news for ourselves, the news that the angel told them about. And they went to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph with this baby in a manger, just as the angels had said. Good news is meant to be shared. So the shepherds told everybody what they saw and heard. And there is a bunch of different responses. Look at verses 18 and 19. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. There's a couple reactions to the news from the shepherds. One is that all who heard it were amazed. It is clear that, that there's multiple people, when hearing this news, reacted like anybody would at hearing this news. And this is the best news that you could have ever heard and ever told because God had been silent, but now he is at work again to save his people from their sins. And then it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She did more than wonder or be in amazement, but she put the content of this gospel in the safe of her heart and reflected on it, thinking about it, and making it transform her very being as she thought about that. And the story ends with the shepherds going back to their life, but going back to their life changed. Verse 20 says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which, is, which were just as they had been told. And may they, that be our response to this Christmas season as well. After hearing the good, good news of great joy, once again, may we go back to our normal lives changed. May we go back glorifying and praising God for all the things that you see and hear tonight as you remember the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we know that Christ is the King and Lord and that he didn't come to us in a great throne or a palace in a great city, but in a humble manger. We know that Christ the King and Lord didn't get victory over his enemies through earthly battles, but through laying down his life on the cross. And now sin and death and evil are defeated because of this good news. We know that Christ the King and Lord isn't like every past king and leader who is in the grave to this day. Those governors who counted God's people in order to get payment for this, from this people are no longer with us. But Christ the King, who was counted among his people and gave his life as a payment for the debt of sin, still lives and reigns today as he will forever and ever and ever. The light of this good news of great joy continues to, to spread. A light shines in the darkness. And the good news today again is that the darkness will never, ever overcome it.